Hello, and welcome to Wellness Wednesday with 3W. Wellness Wednesday is sponsored by 3W Medical for Women, a nonprofit medical clinic offering free of charge or low cost reproductive health services to women in the Seattle area, regardless of income or insurance status. 3W does not profit off of the reproductive health choices women make. The information shared in this podcast is the opinion of the speaker or speakers. Medical information is not intended as individual medical consultation, but for general education only. Always consult your own health professional for personalized advice regarding medical decisions. And if you're in the Seattle area, consider making an appointment to consult with us. I'm Helen Nguyen, CEO and co-founder of 3W Medical for Women and the host of today's podcast. Hi there, Wellness Wednesday listeners. Thank you so much for joining us once again on this beautiful Wednesday. We have Christy here, one of our nurse practitioners who, for patients that come in and see our medical providers, she is well, well loved by so many of our patients. And I just thought I want to sit her down and just talk about some of the STI trends that she's been seeing within our patient population. What are some tips and overview that she wants to share with listeners out there? And what are some prevalent STIs that we should be looking out for. So Christy, welcome back to our podcast. Thank you so much for being with me today. Hello, Helen. Thanks for having me in the studio with you. Yeah, yeah. So right off the bat, what are some STI trends we should be looking out for? Okay, well, I love educating my patients and Mm -hmm. talking about ways that we can prevent illness and disease. And I thought it was interesting to just go to the WHO website and I've Mm -hmm. provided the link here for people to access if they want to research it further. But it's really just just a a broad overview of STIs in general. Mm -hmm. I think it's really well documented on this site. And they just talk about, and this was news to me, I've never really research for how many STIs are out there. And I Mm -hmm. thought it was really interesting per the WHO with an updated trend from November of 2021, more than 30 different bacteria, viruses, and parasites are known to be transmitted through sexual contact. So that was news to me because I don't usually think of 30 when I work at the clinic day to day. Yeah, that's a high number. It's a high number. So of these 30, it's really common that we see eight. We have great services here. Again, part of my interest is talking about education and prevention and safeguarding health in general and the simple things that we can do to keep people as healthy as possible so they can enjoy their life and their families. Of these eight, four curable Mm -hmm. are syphilis, Mm -hmm. gonorrhea, and chlamydia, all caused by a bacteria. Mm -hmm. And then trichomoniasis is another one that falls into STDs. It's included in one of our vaginal panels that we do to rule out a vaginitis, but it also causes some irritation to the cervix, but it technically is considered a sexually transmitted disease or Mm -hmm. infection. Mm -hmm. Then we have viral infections that are not curable. Mm -hmm. And these ones I want to talk about because if you acquire these, and when I teach my patients, I really teach them so that they understand this is something that they will carry forward with them. Mm-hmm. And I really challenge them to also carry that responsibility of informing their future partners. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like we talk in the medical 
in, in the medical career area or in clinics, it's mm-hmm. informed consent. Right. So essentially, I... I challenge them to give their future partners informed consent that they do have this virus. There's yeah. always a possibility that they might pass that along mm-hmm. and let that decision be made by that individual. Right. So these viruses include hepatitis, herpes simplex virus, HIV, and the human papillomavirus. Mm-hmm. So these STIs are spread by sexual contact. That's vaginal intercourse, anal intercourse, oral intercourse. And then sadly, sometimes if a woman is positive for one of these infections, she can pass this to her child Mm. during delivery or just through breastfeeding or during pregnancy. So lots of things to be considered. And the HPV cannot be tested on men. On men. Yes. Yes, that is correct. And I'm glad you brought that up because... You know, sometimes I'll have a female patient and she might be in a monogamous relationship. And I think there's some elements that are not known. And Mm -hmm. and to be quite honest, and this might sound a little bit harsh, but in the medical in the medical field and the way it works today, typically appointments are really brief appointments with patients. Mm -hmm. So as a provider working in a family practice setting that's really busy Mm -hmm. and you see several patients a day, I Mm -hmm. would say an average of 18 to 20 patients a day. It's crazy. And to provide the best care possible, you have to kind of pick and choose what you're going to talk about at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you might encourage the patient to come back, but sometimes they fall out of follow-up, I guess mm-hmm. I would say. Mm-hmm. Maybe they can't afford it. Maybe they don't have the time, but there might be some barrier. Mm-hmm. And so you really want to kind of prioritize the details when you're working with a patient. And that's one of the the benefits of our clinic at 3W is because we do have a significant amount of time with our patients. And even when we call them to discuss the results of tests, we have the luxury of time to discuss important details. For example, I had a patient even yesterday where we, we probably talked about 20 minutes about her new diagnoses, different things that she could implement that are conservative. And when I say conservative, I mean simple things in everyday life that don't cost money, Mm -hmm. but it just takes dedication to do. And then also talk about how that impacts the partner. And so then she actually called back later and we had another 20 minute conversation. So that's that's the nice thing that we can do here with our clinic is to do really thorough teaching because when you receive news of a new diagnosis, Part of the information mm-hmm. at the first point of teaching, it might go in one ear and out the other because right. you're a little overwhelmed. So yeah. yeah, it's nice they have that open invitation to call back as much as they want absolutely, or make an appointment and come back for follow-up. Absolutely. That's especially, I feel like, when you do have something incurable that you're going to have to live with for the rest of your life mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. talking through okay, how is this going to change my life now? How do I have conversations with people about it and educate myself on how to move forward? Right. It's not a death sentence, but it is something that alters, will alter your life. Right. And can you still have intimate relationships with another person? Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of the virus, let's just say the virus ones, I would say can be very devastating for people when they Mm -hmm. learn about that Mm -hmm. because- it's almost like going through the grieving process yeah. because it's a new acquisition of something that you didn't used to have. Mm-hmm. It can impact your health and it can impact somebody else's health. Mm-hmm. So 
there's ways to manage it and life's not over, but typically in a traditional family practice setting, you don't have the luxury of time to help somebody gently go through that. Right. And I think that it's really a blessing that we can at this clinic. One important thing I wanted to say about the viral infections is there are two vaccines available. So the hepatitis B vaccine, it's a Mm -hmm. series. And then there's also the HPV vaccine, which is a series. Mm -hmm. Most of those are completed during childhood standard immunization recommendations. But as always with my patients, I try and provide them with literature. Mm -hmm. I have people weigh the risks and the benefits and really determine if that's the right choice for them. And a candid example might be a woman that's 45. She's in a monogamous relationship, a very, I guess I would say, committed relationship without any concerns. Mm -hmm. And maybe somehow she had some HPV that was dormant and it resurfaced Mm -hmm. that at that point in time, I've had lots of women say, ah, you know what, at this point in time, I'm in a secure relationship, we're committed, we're married, we're monogamous, I don't, Mm -hmm. I'm not a good candidate for the HPV vaccine. Whereas somebody in a different lifestyle with different risk stratifications might say, this would be a good vaccine for me. So there's so many components. And I always tell people, it's not a decision you make with haste. Yes, you take your time and you do your own research with the support of a provider. Right, right. And it's so important that we're able to provide that. And it's so important to to that, that I hope the community takes advantage of mm-hmm. in the sense of come in, you know, eye someone and say, is this something that I should move forward with? And there's no rush to do it. Mm-hmm. There's no time constraints to do it. You can come back anytime, as many times as you like, or pick up the phone, like Christy said, and and really make an informed consent decision for your body. Mm-hmm. You're inserting things into your body. So yeah. it's not something to take lightly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Should be done with great thought. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as I'm reading some of the notes that you gave me and some of these uh, numbers of infections are kind of, uh, kind of scary. <laughs> I know it's amazing. Actually. There was one I actually wanted to read. Okay. More than 1 million sexually transmitted infections are acquired every day worldwide. Yeah. Every day. And the majority are asymptomatic. Yeah. I was just going to say most people or some people don't even have any symptoms. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So And that's why it's such a problem. Yeah. So it's so important to be checked after every new partner, or if you have any concerns, just come in and have peace of mind, right? Mm -hmm. And especially here at 3W, like our lab fees are so low Mm -hmm. or no fees at all. So what's really the harm in in getting some of your answers or lower your anxiety about if you have it or not? Right, right. And and I I try and teach our, our community of patients too that when when we think of healthcare, when when I try and teach about healthcare and prevention, mm-hmm. especially when we get married or we have kids and families, mm-hmm. it's our responsibility to safeguard our health so that we can 
actively participate in taking care of our family. Yeah. Right? And yeah. so caring about your neighbor. Exactly. Yeah. Caring about your neighbor. Yeah. And we do things without thought, like maybe, and we, we talk about different things and it changes over the course of a lifetime. But for mm-hmm. example, maybe breast cancer screenings, it typically mm-hmm. starts at age 40, but it's, and, and every provider is different. They might recommend things differently to their patient population. But I try and teach all of my teen to young adults that an annual STI screening mm-hmm. is something that's typically covered by insurance. Mm-hmm. And as you said, for people that are not insured, we don't charge for our appointments, but our fees for the lab, which go directly to our lab, are very low yes. and reasonable. And it's something they can do to safeguard their health. Because so many are asymptomatic, mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons why they are spread prolifically, mm-hmm. as we right. see from right. the data. But also it can impact a woman's future fertility moving yeah. forward. And other other health issues can come from it too. Sure, so. sure. What are some ways to prevent STIs, Christy? So STIs, and I know we've talked about this in other podcasts, but one of the most effective means of providing some protection, and this is a conversation that I think is really important to have with women, particularly if you're discussing birth control, Mm -hmm. because most birth control does not provide protection from Mm -hmm. STIs. Mm -hmm. That's implantables, oral contraceptives, Mm -hmm. um, maybe combined contraceptives that are just placed in the vagina. Mm -hmm. They don't provide any protection whatsoever. So the only added protection is going to be through a barrier. You can use a female condom, a male condom. Mm -hmm. But then again, even with those two, it's not not 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And especially because you have to consider with syphilis and with herpes, you can have ulcerations or lesions outside of the vaginal canal mm-hmm. or outside of the, the penis. It could be on the groin or other areas, mm-hmm. and, and it can be transmitted that way. So mm-hmm. we just have to be thoughtful mm-hmm. and, and real, I guess, right? and just say, hey, this is a possibility. So yeah. figure out where your baseline health is and, and safeguard it. Right. And then, of course, there's abstinence. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way, 100%. And abstinence can get confused because some people think, well, abstinence is just abstaining from penetrative intercourse. But abstinence actually has to also include not having oral sex because if yeah. you have herpes, for example, and there's two different types of herpes, if you have oral herpes and you're having oral sex, then that can be spread. Right. So there's different risk stratifications between HSV-1 and HSV-2. Mm-hmm. But one thing that's interesting is for herpes simplex virus 2, which is typically on the genitals, and it's not commonly seen spread above, but I wouldn't mm-hmm. guarantee that. Mm-hmm. I think it's a mixed debate out there. I'm constantly searching. <laughs> I need to call some epidemiologists and clarify <laughs> that because... I just hear conflicting information out there. Um, But HSV-2 in the research that I've done has an affinity for HIV. So Mm. you have a higher risk for HIV. And and when you let somebody know that in in an appointment and you're Mm -hmm. educating them, Mm -hmm. then that kind of changes the game. Right. And people think, wow, if that increases my chance for HIV, I certainly don't want to get HSV mm-hmm. too either. Mm-hmm. And w- nobody wants to have any infection, let's be honest. But yeah. but it's good to know that there are definitely certain STIs that are documented 
to increase your chances of acquiring HIV mm-hmm. by way of, especially with women, just breaking down that that general healthy barrier of the mucosa. If you mm-hmm. have an inflammation of the cervix, then you already have a barrier that's been broken. You have an mm-hmm. inflamed, irritated mm-hmm. surface mm-hmm. Uh, surface of the cervix, mm-hmm. and it's just going to be penetrated easier, if mm-hmm. not, like I said, an affinity for HIV. Typically, the literature will say if you've had one STI, you're at a higher risk for acquiring another one. I always encourage people, have just an honest conversation with your partner, ask about STI testing. And of course, we also see men at our clinic. Mm -hmm. So I encourage people to try and book an appointment together if they want. And, you know, it's all of... All of their information is safeguarded by HIPAA, but Mm -hmm. if they're entering into a relationship, that's one way to have an open conversation about, okay, let's be honest. And and we provide such easy access to diagnosis, education, and treatment. I think it's been great. Yeah. That should be a date night. Yeah. A date (laughs) night. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. Yeah. In in the perfect world. Come in. You both get checked out. (laughs) You both get educated about, you know, what's going on with your bodies and Mm. then you can move forward with if you want to be intimate or not. But it's I feel like it's a nice way of uh, starting out on the healthy foot. Um, Yes. Oh, if I could have it my way. That's what I would say, too. (laughs) Hey, folks, that's a that might be a new date night idea out there. One of the things that I've been hearing and please tell me if it's false or not, that these types of STIs are getting harder to treat. Yeah. Some of our resistant to the drugs that are, you know, originally out there. That is true. That is true. Gonorrhea in specific is one of those STIs that Mm -hmm. has has had some issues with showing some resistance to some of our typical treatments. Okay. Antimicrobial resistance. Okay. And they've also recently changed some dosing. For that reason. So we used to give a lower dose of an injectable for that disease, and we've now increased that. And that's another thing, just talking about treatment. One of the things I know um, the providers at 3W have talked about specifically is some of these STIs are reportable, and we report Mm -hmm. them to the health department purposely so that patients are aware of this. They Mm -hmm. have to consent to have this and Mm -hmm. and understand that some of them are reportable. The health department would likely call them Mm -hmm. and do a tracer so they can find out who else may have been exposed to an illness in in the last 60 days with Mm -hmm. this particular patient. But what we've noticed is one of the providers did some follow-up research and with COVID, it's just been difficult to follow Mm -hmm. up on people. So Mm -hmm. we're trying to develop ways that we can help support the patient and their partner in getting treatment Mm -hmm. for both of them. And of course, we invite that partner to come as soon as possible so that we can help get them screened and and get treatment to them as well. Awesome. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And what does treatment look like? Is it just usually some sort of antibiotic or is it a, a vaccine afterwards? What does treatment usually look like? So those are really good questions. For the four curable that I talked about, syphilis, gonorrhea, chlamydia, trichomoniasis, mm-hmm. those are all taken care of with an oral treatment and and very simple treatments. Okay. The gonorrhea and the syphilis, I'm going to 
kind of backpedal here a little bit. Those are injectables, antibiotics. And sometimes we might, you know, based on the patient's risk stratification, sometimes we treat both for chlamydia and gonorrhea when we have concerns that one might be there without the other. Mm -hmm. As far as the viruses go, hepatitis B, there's a vaccine series available. HIV, there's lots of treatments for HIV. Yeah. That's very complex and that would require a referral. Mm-hmm. Also, if we had somebody that did end up being positive for hepatitis B, there's there's different follow-up testing that has to be completed both for hepatitis B and HIV. They really mm-hmm. need to be sent to a specialist for that. But okay. we work with our patients to help get them plugged in to yeah. primary care or whatever specialists they need to see so that we can help facilitate them in in making those appointments and yeah. following through, through with treatment. Yeah, It's so important. With herpes, herpes is really interesting because herpes simplex one, over the course of time, recurrent infections decrease typically over time. Mm -hmm. Uh, With HSV2, they stay more or less constant. And again, Mm -hmm. that's going to be different for everybody. Everybody has a different story and their body responds differently. Mm -hmm. And, And also I've noticed that if people have a stressful situation, stress impacts our immune system. Mm -hmm. And so if they're going through something stressful or interestingly enough with the herpes simplex virus, just a change in the season. So Mm -hmm. going from hot summer days to cool fall days to maybe a dry winter and then back into spring, that often just is a trigger for people. If they get chapped lips, maybe they'll get a cold sore on their lip when they have just a simple upper respiratory infection or a viral illness. And this virus, it it lies dormant on a cranial nerve. And so different things can trigger it depending on where the cranial nerve which one it is that it resurfaces. So it's interesting with HSV2, so genital herpes typically, just the act of having intercourse can actually resurface that infection. So depending on the person, basically we are, again, we were talking about treatment here and it's kind of a long way of discussing it, but there's so many interesting variables Variables. that go with it. But treatment is an antiviral. It works most effective if they take it at the onset of this outbreak. And as I educate my patients, they, uh, over time, they know when they're going to have an outbreak because it's a convergent group of symptoms. It can be an itch, a burn, tickle, pain all at the same time. And then they know, oh, wow, I've got that feeling and they can take an antiviral. I've also read in the literature, if you take vitamin C at the same time as the antiviral, it just kind of has a synergistic effect. So it works even better. So, and so I tell people everything in balance, just a simple life yeah, and try and not do anything out of balance and and, and be careful and be careful and be prudent and ask questions Mm -hmm. and educate yourself before you, and be honest Mm -hmm. with people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because this could be prevented. Yes, it definitely could be prevented. It could be prevented. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. I think that's what I'm walking away from this conversation kind of realizing is, okay, this could happen, but it could also be prevented. So if you educate yourself beforehand and or is honest with the person you're going to become intimate with and hope that they're honest with you mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cause it unfortunate- goes both ways. Yeah, because mm-hmm. unfortunately, not everybody is honest about their 
their health care, which is unfortunate, but that's just the world we live in these days. But just be prudent with who you share your body with mm-hmm. <laughs> because nothing is 100%. Right. Nothing's 100%. And if you're okay about having an intimate relationship with somebody, mm-hmm. a precursory conversation about something as important as this yeah. is definitely... I feel like if you can't have a conversation about this, yeah, then you shouldn't be having intercourse. That's just my opinion. And no, I tell I patients that. I'm great. just kind of brutally honest and yeah. I'm like, this is the byproduct of it. So right. if you can't talk about what could happen, right, then how can you have intercourse? Exactly. Because it like like we talked about, it it impacts profoundly yeah. sexual health, yeah, reproductive health. Mm-hmm. psychosocial health. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, when people acquire a diagnosis, they can be devastated, depressed. Right. It right. breaks up relationships. It breaks up marriages. Mm-hmm. It's really... It impacts the community mm-hmm. because that person yes. then becomes, you know, could become depressed and then not become an active good citizen in the right. community. Like it breaks down so many different layers of just being a productive person mm-hmm. and a contributing does. person mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. our community. Absolutely. So this, I feel like this really talks about how to be a good neighbor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, feel I like, like that. <laughs> that really embodies that, that saying that we've been saying during COVID these days, right? Mm-hmm. Because it has lasting consequences. Mm-hmm. If you don't, take care of yourself yeah. if you're not honest with yourself. Yeah. It's a, it's a constant domino effect, you know, and, and yeah. it can impact an unborn child. Yeah. Right. So if, mm-hmm. for example, rare today, because I think even if a woman goes through a pregnancy, her worst fear would be passing it on to her unborn child, but mm-hmm. to have to worry about taking antivirals during the last part of her mm-hmm. trimester so that mm-hmm. she doesn't pass on HSV yeah. to her child or, does she have an undiagnosed chlamydial infection that mm-hmm. might cause a conjunctivitis for the baby mm-hmm. or for that matter, cause pelvic inflammatory disease mm-hmm. or infertility issues mm-hmm. for her future? Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for kind of giving us a, a quick walkthrough about the trends that you're seeing with our, the population that that are coming into our clinic. I'm so grateful for the patients that have given us an, an opportunity to assist and serve you in whatever capacity you're coming in to our clinic for. But I hope you can tell that we care deeply about you. We care deeply about your health and whatever questions or concerns that you have, we're here for you. We like, like we mentioned that there is a, a lab fee that is attached to our STI test, but if that's something that's preventing you from coming in to get checked or get better, please know that uh, we can work with you and and make sure that you're you're just healthy and make sure you have all your questions answered. Is there anything else you want to leave our listeners, Christy, about what you're seeing as STI trends continue? I would just encourage them, as you said, we have a, a lovely clinic. It's a very relaxing environment. Yeah, a very very kind supportive staff. We love helping people, serving people, serving the community and helping people get plugged in or getting the testing or treatment they need. So I would just encourage them to come and visit us or call us with any questions. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so glad to have the opportunity to discuss this. One of my favorite topics. And it's just 
the tip of the iceberg, really. There's oh, so yeah. much to talk about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me again on this podcast. I hope our listeners are inspired to come and get checked up and giving us a shot, being able to walk alongside you with your healthcare. So until next time, I'm sure the next podcast will be as exciting. Just continue to tune in every Wednesday with us. Thank you so much. For more information about 3W, please visit our website at 3wmedical.org. That's the number three, the letter W, medical.org. From there, you can learn more information about the services we provide. Book an appointment or make a donation if you'd like to support our mission. You can also call our office at 206-588-0311. That's 206-588-0311. If you like this episode, please share it with others and consider subscribing on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, stay healthy and be well. 